When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the seasons like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, the same game parlay spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. Your betting options feel endless. So you bet on UFC 277, maybe some second half Major League Baseball action. Tons of options. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 227 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. It's the Lake Edition, the we- the, the Vacation Edition. That's right. As you're listening to this. I'm probably floating out in a lake somewhere, or catching some rays, drinking some rolling rocks on a cabin deck, or fishing off the bridge with the nephew. I don't know. It all sounds it all sounds promising, and or, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to the. It's the power of editing here, folks. Um, I'm recording this Sunday night, and um, yeah. I am really looking forward to this vacation. My Cal Ripken-like work streak is coming to an end. I don't know how many days I worked, 60-some? So, I don't know. The last day off what I had was the May long weekend, so do the math. 60-some days, I guess. Um, so, took this this week off and uh, going heading up to the in-laws' cabin and uh, just looking forward to it. But, like a good teammate, I didn't want to leave you listeners hanging because, you know, we do this... We do this mud show every Wednesday and Sunday, 
And, uh, you know, I got, I got people counting on me out there. You know, I've had a few people tell me I should take two weeks off, then quit. I don't know. But uh, until then, I'm, gonna, I'm coming at you here. I didn't want to leave you hanging. So I, got, I, have, uh, I have a very special guest for you today. Um, he was a Knoxville Ice Bears legend, Southern Pro League tough guy, uh, David Siegel. And he was a great interview. And I want to uh, thank David for coming on the show. I know we had scheduled it the day before and he couldn't make it. Um, he runs his own business and he had just got back from vacation, was catching up with paperwork. He's like, can I do it tomorrow? You're no problem. So I talked to him the, the next day and um, he actually was at a bar in Knoxville uh, participating in a dart tournament. And he actually held, I think he held the dart tournament up while he did this interview. So I want to thank him and... Uh, you know, we spent, I, what did we talk about? I think we talked for about an hour and a half, and uh, I, I really want to thank him for coming on the show. Hopefully, we can we'll do it again when he's when he when he's not playing darts. Um, but no, he was a great guest, and and I had a lot of fun talking to to David, and I, and I think you guys will really enjoy it. Um, and definitely go on to YouTube and check out his stuff, man. He can go. Uh, I I said, hey, wow, and he throws the speaking. I was going to talk about Ice Wars here. This, Talking about Ice Wars, I, I asked David if he was going to, oh, he talked to AJ and whatever. But he threw down the challenge. He threw down an Ice Wars challenge. I hope AJ hears it. Ice Wars 3. I think we could have a grudge match here. I'm not going to spoil it. you got to listen to the interview. Get a little heated, folks, I'm telling you. A little bit of heat, a little tension. But um, speaking of Ice Wars, Ice Wars 2 is coming up August 6th. Back at Edmonton, Alberta at the River Creek Casino and on pay-per-view on Fight TV. I hope you guys all tune in. You know, hopefully you all watch the first one by now. The second one, oh, bigger and better. Daniel Ainsbury, Curtis the Cowboy Swanson, main event, going for the crown. I think it's going to be a hell of a tilt. Swanee's coming off his amateur box, first amateur boxing victory. And uh, he's ready to go. You know, Diamond Hands Ainsbury, he's ready to rock and roll. I think it'll be a great main event. Um, we have a lightweight tournament this time, and uh, I just had on my past episode, Travis Check was on, Hope I hope you go back and listen to that, he was in the first one, him and Bo Cornell fought in a preliminary bout, well Bo and, and Travis are both in the lightweight tournament, along with Justice Smoke, I gotta, when I see Justice Zebit tonight, I gotta get his, uh, his dieting tips, down 40 pounds in a month and a half to get ready for the lightweight tournament, looking sharp, he's ready to go, and uh, Justin Schmidt, this year's pro hockey fight leader in the Federal League with 22 tilts. He's in it. I'm telling you, folks, this lightweight tournament's uh, shaping up here. They'll be, they'll be swinging. I think it's going to be a good one. And uh, I know Jordan Roach has signed up for a bout. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be good. And, uh, and like, I, always, I, always, I really enjoyed Ice Wars. I love what AJ's doing. Um, I, I really hope you guys listen out there too. It's 20 bucks. Get the boys together for some beers in the basement. Come on. It, it, why not? Support it. It's, like I said, $20. How can you go wrong? I laugh. Somebody goes, oh, that's pretty ballsy to put it on with the Jake Paul fight. Right against the Jake Paul fight. Are we serious? Jake Paul? Are we serious? I said, do grown adults get Jake Paul fights? Like, I don't know, maybe if we're, you know, if we're 17-year-olds in the food court, maybe, you know, high school kids, 
maybe they get Jake Paul fights. What? Why? Why would you give? Why would you spend forty, fifty, sixty dollars and give that to Jake Paul? Are you? Are we serious? Come on, get with it here, people. Let, if you're listening to this show and you're choosing Jake Paul over Ice Wars, shut this off right now and beat it. I don't want you listening to my show anymore. Get out of here. Nobody needs that. <laughs> hey, well, regardless, how about this? I they they do replays anyway, so just buy it. Yeah, no, but I I think it'll be it'll be a lot of fun, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, just a couple. What have we got? About four weeks or three weeks until the event. So um, I might. I'm going to try to talk. Maybe get a couple more of the guys on, um, and, and and just get their feelings on it. And and uh, I don't know. I just like I just like giving the guys some exposure and and getting them out there and, and you know and kind of trying to get people uh, maybe put a personality with the with the guy when they're going to watch the pay per view. And they'd be, oh yeah, it was the guy on Fourth Line Voice Show, you know, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like I've had Justice Smoke on. I'm going to talk to a couple of the other guys. Hopefully, talk to a couple of the other guys, and uh, you know, we'll try to make some time and, uh, and and get them on. So, but anyway, I hope you tuned into that. Um, like I said, folks, at the top of the show, I remember the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented. So whatever fan, whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, for my off-network friends, I've got old Code Salen over there, old Alec at the Five for Fighting podcast. Uh, yeah, and he's hanging out tonight watching, I don't know, it's the Spider-Man movie marathon with his dog Puddles. Uh, his wife's out of town, so yeah, he's really living it up. Uh, <laughs> um, but his latest episode is uh, retire, if enforcers, they retired jersey numbers. What jersey's number should be retired? And uh, it was an interesting list. And uh, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the episode. Um, he's got a tremendous back catalog from Rob Ray to Frank Bialois to Jason Rushton to Sean Pete, uh, Curtis Stahl. Ch- check it out. And uh, yeah, tre- tremendous uh, tremendous back catalog. Also, if you happen to be on well, everyone's on. If you happen to be on YouTube, everyone's on YouTube. Um, if you're on YouTube. Hit uh, Go to the Five for Fighting YouTube channel. He's got all the East Coast League fights from this past year up. There's some good tilts. And actually, just go check out his latest video, The Best of the East Coast League. It's, it's good. Crank up the tunes. That'll, that'll get you fired up. Um, but just hit the subscribe button. We're trying to get Alec to 1,000 subscribers. And uh, like I said, it might not be a big deal to you guys, but it's a big deal to the creators. It helps us out um, if you subscribe to the channels. Um Speaking of YouTube, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. After you check out Alex's uh, channel, bounce over to mine. I have over 2,500 fights on there. Uh, all the leagues are... Everything's sorted. Just go to the little search engine, AHL, OHL, blah, blah, blah. Type in whatever you're looking for. Boom, up it'll come. So And hit subscribe there. It would be greatly appreciated. Also, if you happen to be on social media, why? But if you are, if you want to put yourself through that, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter as well as on Facebook... Uh, give the give my pages a follow. I'm always putting up pictures and videos and all that sort of thing and um, video uh, video polls and whatever. Uh, the Bob Probert Invitational Twitter Tournament is coming up at some point here, either next week or when I get back from Ice Wars. Um, and now that I'm saying it now, because I, I want to do a preview show and I got to line up a couple guests for it, so it might be after Ice Wars. Um, 
So we'll see. But regardless, at some point this summer, the 6th Annual Bob Probert Invitational Twitter Tournament will be happening. 64 of hockey's toughest guys. And much like the March Madness bracket, uh, we're, we, uh, it's computer generated the matchups and then we vote and we have banter about each fight and it's a lot of fun. And, uh, like I said, it's been, uh, five summers in a row now. This will be the sixth one and, uh, we'll see who comes out as the champ. I believe off the top of my head, I believe Dave Brown defeated Joey Koser in the final last year. So we'll see if Brownie can defend the belt, but, um, yeah, that is that. Um, other than that, I'm not going to yap at you guys too long. Um, I have to go pack for the lake and uh, enjoy my... Uh, I'm just giddy over my vacation, folks, to be completely honest. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just so tired. I just I just want to... I just don't want to put on coveralls for a while. For just... Even over a few days, I'm just happy. So uh, um, I'm I really just going to put the headphones down and, and take the week off. So, um, yeah. But like I said, I didn't want to leave you guys hanging. And I got a great guest for you, so... Really excited about this episode, so I think you guys will really enjoy it. So enough of me yapping. Again, whatever platform you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, what have you, could you rate and review my show? I would greatly appreciate it. It helps me out in the searches. And uh, also, download please, do not stream. I get paid by the download, and you would be helping Darren out. And no matter what podcast you listen to, if you know you listen to a, a baseball one, a football one, a betting one, or... A comic book one. Uh, always download your episodes. Uh, you're probably like, who gives a shit? Ah, believe me, the the creator of it does care because uh, maybe not only a monetization thing if if they, if they are getting paid for their show, but regardless, um, it just for analytics, it just helps. You can see who's listening and you know and when and where and and duration and on what platform and blah 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 it just helps out so you can see because when you stream you when it streams you, you don't see anything you don't get the numbers so if you could uh any podcast you're listening to for future re- reference if you could download i know the creators of said podcast would be greatly appreciated greatly appreciate Attr- appreciative appreciative bleh can't even talk so with that, I think I should shut up. Let's get into the interview with David. Uh, thank you guys. I always say there's a million podcasts out there. And uh, it seems every every week there's another one popping up. Some ex-player is coming up with one. Um, the, the fact that you chose to listen to this, um, to mine, I'm, I am greatly, I greatly appreciate it. I really do. I know we, I joke about it all the time on here. But um, yeah, like I said, everyone and their dog's got a show. And uh fact that anyone's listening to this uh, is uh, often astounds me. Uh, <laughs> though, granted, I hey, I have some, I have some great, I have some pretty cool guests. So I, I think they're here for the guests, they're not for me, and that's fine. That's fine by me. Let's get their stories out there, right? So, uh, but thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, as I said, this is episode two twenty seven. Uh, please go back, check out the back catalog. Like I said last week, Travis Check was on. Check his check out. I adjust the smoke. Daniel Ainsbury, Curtis Swanson, all the Ice Wars guys, and uh, Tip and Sawyer, on and on to my very back catalog: Steve McIntyre, John Morassi, Brad Wingfeld, Joey Tedarenko, Clark Wilm, Roman Volpat, uh, on and on. Kent Staniforth, Jeremy Thompson, Riley Emerson. I could list them all. 
but I won't right now. But all you have to do is scroll down and uh, and check them out, and I encourage you to encourage you to do so. But anyway, enough of my yapping. I'm going to the lake. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday. And here is my interview with David Siegel. Appreciate it, guys. Enjoy. Talk to you guys Sunday. All right, folks here on the Fourth Line Voice, got a special guest tonight, all the way from Knoxville, Tennessee. David Siegel. David, how you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you, Bubba? Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. I know we're uh, we're kind of uh, going back and forth. I think you're uh, you're we're holding up dart tournaments in Knoxville. I think for this. Yeah, we are. We're holding up a dart tournament, but they got two options. They can get over it or don't. There you go. Well, I appreciate it, but uh, I know there's some folks. I know there's a bunch of folks uh, wanting to hear this. So, uh, uh, well, it's. I mean, we got to. Well, we got to start every story at the uh, where it all began. Uh, where were you uh, born and raised, and where did you play your minor hockey? Uh, I was born and raised in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and uh, played my minor hockey out of uh, Killarney. And uh, I believe it was like my uh, Bantam or Pee Wee or Bantam year. It uh, merged to be Vancouver Minor. Okay. And did you uh, did you play AAA at all? Uh, AAA. So I played. I played. Uh, what was it? I think it was like Bantam or Pee Wee, and uh, I actually got cut from. I think it was like fourteen or fifteen, and I got cut from the A team. Uh, back then, I mean. I'm not going to sit here and. Am I allowed to cuss? You can say whatever you want. Yep. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and bitch and complain. But back then, it was all politics. It was like, uh, whose whose parents are friends, and when you go out of out of, out of town tournaments, whose whose parents are going to go to the bars and hang out and have fun? Well, <clears throat> my parents don't drink. My parents, all they cared about was me and having fun and you know supporting me. So I ended up getting cut from the A team, and uh, I ended up playing for the B team. So I was playing in the B team and, uh, I distinctly remember we were, there was a game and, uh, some kid took like a three minute shift and on his way back, I was like, Hey man, don't, don't forget to let the rest of the kids play. And he speared me. So after he speared me, I grabbed him and I ended up beating the shit out of my own teammate. And the rest had no idea what to do. Nobody really had any idea what to do. <laughs> I mean, so after that, I I don't remember whether or not I got um, whether or not I got cut or I quit. I, I I stopped playing that year, and uh, the next year was you know a whole nother story. And uh, I fought my way to get into junior B, and uh, I guess the rest just kind of went from there. Now, like growing up, were you like like aggressive? Did you enjoy the fighting? Like, did you take any like boxing or anything, or you know? Or was hockey sort of the outlet for that? Well, so growing up, I mean, I don't think I don't think I hit puberty till I was like fourteen, fifteen. But I always had this mouth, and uh, I remember no matter what happened, I was always the one that would stick up for my friends, or I was always the one that would run my mouth. And l- literally going into like grade ten and eleven, I would get the absolute shit kicked out of me. And every time I'd come home and, you know, my uncles were, my uncles were the ones I'd always turn to until my amazing stepfather came into my life. And, uh, I don't even call him my stepfather. I call him my father because it takes a man to raise a kid, but we'll get into that later. But I mean, my, my uncles were like, well, what happened? And so I'd tell them and they were like, well, you deserved it. 
they told me if you don't like it, learn to defend yourself or keep your mouth shut. Well, obviously, I couldn't keep my mouth shut, so I learned how to defend myself and I learned how to box. I took boxing. I started weightlifting, started training, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it just came kind of natural. Well, like you said, and you start playing Junior B in the Pacific Junior League in Port Coquitlam. Uh, I was going to say, uh, 32 games. Hey, you had 18 points. Pretty solid. I like the uh, 474 minutes of penalties you picked up. That's, that's pretty good. Um, obviously, you, uh, you, you, your mouth got going and you, uh, and you, had, you learned how to defend yourself. Um, how, how was that season going into Port Coquitlam? Like, did you have it set that you were going to be the team enforcer or did that just sort of happen? I think it just kind of, so that story is kind of funny because I believe it was, I went and tried out for, uh, I think it was, there was another team out of, uh, Coquitlam. I don't know if it was a Coquitlam express, but my, uh, my hockey future coach, Terry, he was the head coach. Uh, he asked me to come out and try out because I played hockey future with, you know, unbelievable players like uh, Andrew Ladd, Seabrook, like guys like that. And uh, after a couple years after that, I got invited to, I believe it was the uh, express. Yeah. Well, we were, we were skating, uh, we were skating back and forth. We're doing lines and uh, I tweaked something in my leg. Well, I was young. I mean, I was young and dumb and, you know, I, I was behind everybody. And at the time, I mean, I just, I, I dropped to the ground, I dropped to the ice and I was like, Oh, my leg hurts, blah, blah, blah. And looking back, I wasn't really that hurt. I kind of, I guess I kind of looked for an excuse because I wasn't able to keep up with everybody. And, uh, you know, it, it, it cost me, it cost me the, uh, a spot on the team and it, it devastated me. And so after that, um, I believe I, I believe what happened was there was an open tryout for, uh, the buckaroos and uh, I called them. No, actually what it was, was, uh, what's it called? I think it's the Richmond sockeyes. Yep. It was either the sockeyes or another team in the, uh, the PIJHL, I, I went to one of their camps and I had a few goals in camp, you know, a couple assists. I had a good fight and, uh, I expected to, you know, at least make the team and I got cut. So I started looking around and I, I just called Poco and, uh, I believe I spoke to either Ron Lanou or, uh, Bain Cohen. And I said, Hey, you know, I just, I want to come out and give it a shot and try. So I went out and I gave it a shot and, uh, I just had a fire in me and, I lit camp up. I had a few goals, a couple of good fights. And, uh, the next thing I knew I was playing junior B hockey, living the life of a junior B hockey player. Yeah. And I mean, and, and like you said, 474 minutes by far the, uh, you know, the league leader, um, you know, pretty, uh, I mean, you played with Brett Sawney who went on and played in the Western hockey league and played for the world junior team in Canada. And, uh, you know, Kyle Turris is in the league, Colton Gillies, um, uh, how was it uh, get kind of getting your feet wet in the fighting game in junior hockey? What, what was that? What was your first year like? So the, it's funny because the fight that sticks out to me is there's a guy uh, R.J. Horn. You know who R.J. Horn is? No. So R.J. Horn, I believe he played for. Uh, I want to say it was Richmond, uh, 
anyways, I remember him saying something to me, and he's sitting there chirping about how uh, I couldn't keep up or whatever, whatever it was. Well, uh, I guess shit hit the fan or whatever, and him and I got into it, and I absolutely beat the living shit out of him. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't say beat the living shit out of him. I, I won the fight. And uh, after that, he looked at me, and he, I felt, I felt good because he actually like kind of gave me like a nod. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if, a few years later, I was out in uh, Coquitlam and I ran into him at the bar, and um, it was weird because even though I was you know full grown adult and had my life together and doing my own thing, I looked at him and I, I looked up to him, and and he was super cool and super respectful and. Uh, it's just weird. I mean, when you play hockey and you come into the league as a rookie, you see these guys and you see what they have and that's something you want. So you try to achieve it. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's weird to sit here and try to explain it, but I mean, him and I had a conversation and I got nothing but the utmost respect for the guy. And he's a great guy. And I just remember that as like a stepping stone for me. Like I was like, well, you know what? I, I can do it. That was one of those times when I was like, "Oh yeah, I can do it. I can play in this league. I, I can, I can hold my own." And and I and I appreciate it from him. No, absolutely. And uh, well, and you also you managed to play. Uh, you played with Langley that year as well. In the B, uh, you moved up to the uh, the Junior A BC Junior League, Junior A League with the Langley Hornets. You played eight games there. Um, what, what was that experience like to go up? Did that sort of? I would assume obviously that was a confidence booster for you. So it, it was a major confidence booster, but uh, I didn't know how to really handle it. And I, I had a great, uh, a great heavyweight to, you know, show me the ropes and Taylor Moore. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's an absolute beauty. I still talk to him to this day, but uh, it was the reason I didn't end up staying there. I believe was a hundred percent all behind the scenes and a whole bunch of, you know, politic bullshit. And I mean, it was, it was, I feel that what happened and the, the reason I didn't stay with Langley should not have been because of what happened. It was just a bunch of bullshit and politics and it is what it is, but I enjoyed my time there. The, 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 uh, the organization was great. Uh, I, the coach and I did not get along. Um, but I mean, all the guys there were super cool. I remember Rob Pritchard. He was our captain, uh, Graham Shepard. I believe he was our assistant. Those guys literally, you know, showed us the ropes, took care of us. Um, you know, that whole team camaraderie thing where, you know, they say rookie hazing and all that stuff happens. I never really ever experienced that because I was fortunate. I always had really good leaders and, and really good veterans and captains. And and it, I didn't have a hard time going through junior because I was fortunate to have leaders like them. Yeah. Well, well. After all that in BC, uh, the following year, two thousand five, two thousand six, you end up out this way, out in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League uh, with the Melfort Mustangs for eleven games. How did you end up in Saskatchewan? What brought you out here? Uh, so Kurt Astle and Jake Abner and Nick Vanderbilt played out there, and I knew them. And uh, they, I talked to them, and I wanted to play out there, so they uh, they gave me a chance, and you know they they vouched for me. They vouched for me, but then they also left me down hanging, by the way. This is a good story. So uh, I go all the way out there, and I take this Greyhound, and I get stuck at some rundown restaurant at, like, 10 o'clock at night in Melford, Saskatchewan. 
And they said, just call me when you get in town. We'll come pick you up. So I'm calling them and calling them and calling them, and nobody's answering their phone. Luckily, some guy just drives by, and he goes, hey, are you here to play for the Mustangs? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I believe some of the guys are up at the rink. Do you need a ride? Well, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Melfort, Saskatchewan. Some random dude's asking me if I need a ride. You know what? What do I do? I get in the car. So I get in the car. We end up going down to the rink, and all the guys are down there playing shinny in the rink. And, I mean, it, it was cool, and it was fun. And uh, I, loved, I loved Melfort. Uh, went down to Melfort, had a, had a great time. Uh, camp was pretty good. I ended up uh, fighting this guy. I think his name was Brian Whitehead. And uh, he was tough as nails. And we had a we had a real good tilt in camp. And then uh, for some reason, they just said, you know what? Yeah, we're going to keep you. And they, they kept me. And uh, I loved it. I had a great time. And uh, the next thing I knew, I got traded to Winnipeg, which was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Yeah. Well, hey, was uh, when you were in Melfort, was Justin Schmidt there? So I, I broke my hand. And uh, Justin Schmidt came in to, they brought him in to fight, obviously. And I believe he blew out his knee. And the next thing I knew, me and him were both sitting in a basement in Melfort, Saskatchewan, uh, in minus 40-degree weather, sitting there drinking beers together and chewing together, playing video games. Both of us on the IR talking about all the guys that we wish we could punch in the nose. I love Justin Schmidt. He's, he's an absolute beauty. One of the best, one of the best teammates. He, that that guy would go through a brick wall for anybody on his team. Yeah, he, he uh, you know, it's and, he, and he's still going. He led all of uh, he led all of pro hockey in fights this year. So in the federal yeah. in the federal league with twenty two, well, and actually he is fighting in the lightweight tournament in Ice Wars coming up in August. So that could be interesting. We'll see how he does because he's uh, he was busy this year. He he's going to do good. So it's funny because I went up and I played so. Uh, Rod Eldoff, uh, bar none, top two coaches I've ever had in my entire career. He was my coach in Pensacola. He called me and, uh, what was it last year? He called me and he's like, Hey, are you still in town? I said, yeah. He goes, well, you're going to dress for us. And I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, you're going to dress for us. They were coming into Knoxville and they were short players due to COVID and all that stuff. So I played for them and just played the weekend for, uh, Pensy in Knoxville, and uh, once they put me on the waiver list, I got a call from, um, what was it? Delaware? Federal League. Yeah, Delaware. I got a call from Delaware. And Delaware asked me to come play, and I was like, I was iffy about it, but then I saw that we were going to be playing Columbus against Justin Schmidt, so I called Schmidt, and I was like, hey, you want to go another round? And he goes, sure do. So the only reason I really went up there was just, Pretty much just to fight Schmitty one more time. Yeah. <laughs> well, he ended up getting healthy scratched both nights, so we didn't end up fighting. But I did get in a couple fights. Yes, you did. Well, yeah. Well, we'll get there. Um, well, like you said, you're in Melfort, so you sit there. You and Schmidt are sitting there on the IR and chewing and playing video games, and you end up getting traded to the Winnipeg South Blues in the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. And uh, like you said, uh, that trade really worked out for you. Uh, you played 26 games in the regular season, had 168 minutes, 11 points. Then you also went to the playoffs, and uh, you guys ended up winning the league. How was? Uh, how did you enjoy your time in Winnipeg? 
I absolutely loved it. I mean, I had I had an amazing coach in uh, Ken Pearson. Uh, the organization was amazing. I had probably the best billets you could ever have in the Finus. Um They took me in like I was one of their own. Um, I absolutely loved it. It was it was one of the highlights of my career. I mean, it was or so-called career. I mean, I just it was. It's one of those things that I'm going to sit there and tell the kids, hey, you know what? Like this is what this is what your old dad did back in the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was amazing. It was it was super. It it, it was night and day, um, night and day from Melfort to Winnipeg, and uh, I, I I didn't know how good it could be or you know how how much I could enjoy it, but I mean I had an absolute amazing year. It, it was it was unbelievable I, I had a great time if i could pick a pick a year to go back and if i could pick a year to go back and, and do again and, and experience again it'd probably be that one what, what were your i mean i know we're going back a long way and you know you only played the well i was going to ask you a couple of names actually before we left saskatchewan because uh, i couldn't find your fight card but i know you had 100 minutes and 11 games so you clearly fought some guys um i was going to just throw out like uh like Dale Butlin, Mitch Woods, Robin Richards, did, uh, Joe Cook. Did you fight any of these guys? Uh, so Mitch Woods sounds familiar, and I remember he played for uh, uh, Fort, uh, what was it? Um, he, when I was he, in the IHL, he played for... Uh, Fort Wayne. Yeah, Fort Wayne. And I've always I've always thought Mitch Woods and I were kind of like a kind of the same player, except he could put up points and I couldn't. So I always felt like I had a hand to prove myself to him, and he would never fight me. And if I was him, I I wouldn't fight me either. I mean, the kid, the kid got playing time, and he put up points, and I was just some fourth line goon, some fourth line. I mean, sometimes I felt like the coach would rather pull some somebody out of the stands and let them dress and put them out before me. But I mean, uh, the name Mitch Woods, I remember that he he's you know about my height, my weight, and he's a firecracker. He's he's tough as nails, but he also put up points. He put up good numbers. Uh, nothing but respect for the guy. Um, the only, the one fight I do remember um, when I was playing in, uh, in when I was playing in um, uh, Winnipeg or was, uh, sorry, that wasn't in Winnipeg. That was in uh, Saskatchewan. Never mind. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Give me, give me one second. Yep. No, you're going to say the, the, the fight you remember from Melfort. Yeah. The fight I remember from Melfort was uh I've always I've always been a clean fighter and, and a fair fighter, and when when somebody hits the ground or somebody hits the ice, or you know if, if they can't protect themselves, if they can't protect themselves, um, you you stop yep. and, and you hold off and 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 you let them get up or or you let them you know compose themselves because at the end of the day it's just a job, and it's funny when people ask you you know like a lot of people ask me. Do you hate Dennis Sicard? No, I don't hate Dennis Sicard. I love Dennis Sicard. Even though I fought him 20 times, at the end of the day, the guy would come to my house and we'd play pool together and have beers. He's, he's a great guy. It's a job. But I remember in uh, Saskatchewan, I got in a fight and then I hit the ice. I was on the ice and the linesman came in and was on top of me and the guy came down on top of me and hammered me, um, hit me one more time and split my head wide open. And uh, I ended up getting redemption. I think I'm not, I can't remember his name, but I mean, I remember just looking forward to that fight again, because as a fighter, 
there's a there's a unwritten rule there's 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 things you do and things you don't and uh that's one of the things you don't and that that really 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 upset me and uh it really pissed me off but i mean it's neither here nor there well, like you said, well, so you get to Winnipeg, you had, you had the strong year there. What, uh, as far as you can remember and stuff, um, you know, and then we'll get on to pro, but just in terms of the Manitoba League and the Saskatchewan League, what was the, what did you find the differences were? Uh, I found the SJ, the SJ was, so between the, the, the BC was nine, 95% skill. 95% of the guys could sit there and walk a defenseman. They're all flashy, unbelievable players. The SJ was literally meat and potatoes, big old boys. Everybody could rumble. Nobody was scared of anybody. And then the MJ kind of had like a, like a good mix. You know, they had, a, they, had a, they had a mix of guys that could, you know, dangle and score and all that. But they also had, you know, your meat and potatoes guys and, and your, your, your enforcers. But, um, I mean, other than that, I mean, after we won the league in the MJ, we played, is it called the uh, the Anavit Cup? Yep. So we played the Anavit Cup, and we ended up playing against, uh, I think it was the Yorkton. Yep. So our team 100% was more skilled than Yorkton. But Yorkton, they were big, tough, and they won battles. And they they ended up absolutely spunking us. And it wasn't because they were better or more skilled. It was because I, I firmly believe at the end of the day, the teams that win championships are the teams that have chemistry and the teams that are willing to go through a brick wall. They had a guy that was like five foot four that would literally run through a brick wall just to win a battle. And we had guys that could dangle an entire team but when you came into a battle in the corner, they just give the puck up. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so from Winnipeg, I mean, you had the strong season and everything. At this point, did you have, uh, like you're, you're a 20-year-old, did you have visions of playing pro? Or did you kind of figure this is it? Like, how did you end up in Knoxville? To be honest, I I, uh, I didn't know what, what was going to come of hockey. And after we won the championship in uh, Winnipeg, um, actually, side note, real funny story. My last name is Siegel. It's a Jewish last name. After we won the championship, my coach, Kenny Pearson, comes up to me and he goes, hey, I got a question. Uh, somebody, want, they want to nominate you for the Jewish Athlete of the Year Award. Uh, are you, do you have any Jewish in you? And I was like, uh, no, but I mean, I'll, I'll take it. Um, but I mean, that, that was kind of awkward, but, um, <laughs> no, they, uh, I, I really don't know how I ended up in Knoxville. I mean, I had an agent and, uh, he just told me, you know, Knoxville, they, they're, that's a place you could go. Uh, they just won a championship. They only have two or three spots available. Uh, would you be interested? And all in my mind, all I heard was there's a team that's going to pay you to play hockey and uh, I didn't have anything else going on in my life at the time. And I said, well, hell, let's give it a shot. And uh, I came down here. I had a great camp, amazing camp. And uh, the next thing you know, I played eight or nine years here, whatever it was, seven, eight, nine years. Yeah. 
Well, so like when you get down there, I mean, I read somewhere that you had like three fights in the first pre in the preseason game, and that's basically what cemented your. You got, that's how you got the gig, was the three fights. Is that basically true? Yeah. So there, there was a there was a scrum that happened in the corner, and uh, so I jumped in, and then uh, there was. I'm not quite sure. I don't really remember what else happened, but I got another fight. And then I remember we're in, down in uh, Huntsville, and uh, I think I scored the game tying goal, or the, I believe it was the game tying goal because Mike Tuami came in in the shootout. That's what it was, and I think he ended up winning it. And then uh, there was we had one more fight. I had one more fight at home against. Uh, what was his name? He's a big old boy. He played for the Fire Ants. Uh, he pulled me aside and he goes, hey, we're fighting. And I said, no, man, I, I'm trying to make a team. And he goes, no, we're doing it. My coach sent me out to test you. And uh, we ended up going, you know, toe-to-toe. He ripped my jersey off. I lost my whole jersey. I went toe-to-toe with him, had a good fight. Um, and I, I remember sitting on the bus coming back from Huntsville, and uh, Mike Craigan came up to me and sat down with me. And he goes, so what do you think? And I said, oh, I love it. And he goes, you think you, you think you'd be comfortable playing here? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I think you should probably get comfortable. There you go. Wow, you got, and you got comfortable, man. Like you, uh, you know, twenty six fights that year. And uh, um, what was it like playing for uh, Jim Birmingham? It was an experience. I mean, he 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 knew the game. He he. I was the whole my whole rookie year. I was pretty much shell shocked. I mean, I didn't know what to expect. You know, how to take anything. You know, it was my first time, pretty much. You know, living with no billets, no family, just being on my own. I was a dumb rookie, 21 years old, going to the bars. You know, showing up to practice and games, hungover, and uh, he definitely put me in my place. And I had some good some good veterans that you know let me know what was what you could do and what you couldn't do, and. Uh, you know, I mean, they showed me the ropes, and I mean, it was pretty much shell shock the whole time. Well, yeah, and like like you said, you uh, had Mike Craig and uh, you know Jeff Hansen on that team, and uh, you know Kevin Swider and stuff. What were what was that? Yeah, like you said, how that first year was it? Just uh, like were the guys pretty uh, pretty welcoming and everything on the team? Well, that so I believe that year the only two rookies on the team were me and Mike Twomey, and. Uh, we had, I mean, there might have been a couple more, you know, at the beginning of the year, but I think Tumo and I are the only ones that ended up sticking around. And, uh, they, uh, they, they made me feel welcome, but I think more because of my own actions and me going out and partying and being an idiot and being a dumbass, I think I, you know, pissed them off and, and I kind of segregated myself from them. And, uh, I was fortunate enough that I had people, and leaders on that team that cared enough about the team to actually call me out on it and put me in my place. And, uh, I learned, you know, what, what you're allowed to do. I learned how to be a professional and how to, you know, how to, how to take care of yourself, be a professional, but also have fun. I learned there's a time and place to do things. There's a time and place not to, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, there, yeah. Like, as I was going to say, coming off a championship team and stuff and you got veteran guys there. So, yeah, so I mean, obviously they gave you kind of the blueprint going forward to how to conduct yourself is basically what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. 
100%. Well, like you said, you had 26 tilts, and there were some dudes running around that league that you got into it with. And uh, I went back, and I was watching some of your fights, and, uh, you know, you had uh, Corey Grabowski, uh, Ju- the old boy Justin Schmidt. You ran into him a couple times that year. Uh, Joe Pace, Luke Phillips. What was it like your first year fighting in the SP? My first year fighting the SP was uh disaster. I mean, I was I was a young kid, small guy with, you know, nothing but I just felt like I had to prove myself. Like you said, I mean, I'd fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. And, I mean, I got knocked out cold a bunch of times. And uh, the thing with me is it's like you don't, you don't win the first one, but get back up, dust yourself off, and give it another shot. And the thing with me is it's like I was always – I would always jump in for anybody, no matter what the situation was, because I'm the kind of guy that, like, I would rather it be me that gets beat up than my teammate. Because I always looked at, you know, my teammates as, you know, valuable players and and big, important, like, players that would get put into the game in, you know, big-time situations. And my job, I I guess I just kind of fell into the role. My job was to protect them, make sure that, they felt comfortable with the puck and that they knew that if something happened that they'd be taken care of. Um, but I definitely ran in some big boys. Uh, Grabber knocked me out cold. Uh, David Mitchell knocked me out cold. There's some big old boys and some tough, tough boys in that league. And uh, it is what it is. I mean, you win some, you lose some, but. Well, like you said, you, you I, go from fight, you base, you're going from fighting teenagers in junior to now you're fighting men. And it's like, uh, did you did you ever at any point get discouraged? Like, what the fuck am I doing here? Or was it like, just make you stronger kind of thing? Well, it's funny because I never got discouraged from fighting. Um, I don't know if it was because growing up, I mean, growing up, I used to get beat up all the time because I had a big old mouth and I learned how to take a punch. And then I was tired of learning how to take a punch. I learned how to give a punch. So getting beat up was nothing new to me. But every time I got beat up, it's it's weird. So I've always been like, if I lost a fight or I, we lost the game, it's not really a loss in my mind. What you do is you 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 break it down and find out why you lost the fight or why you lost the game, and then you don't do it again and you take it as a a lesson. And then if you do that, the loss isn't actually a loss it's a it's a growing point it's a a chance to improve it's a lesson so you don't really lose because you're gaining the knowledge and the experience and i was very fortunate to have jeff hansen jeff hansen literally taught me form how to fight when to fight uh who to fight how to take a punch how to give a punch when to duck when to he taught me more than i could even sit here and tell you right now now is that something um like, did you kind of, did you be, like, I've had so many guys on this show and, you know, we talk about some guys, you know, you break down kind of the science of fighting. Some guys are really into it. They're big tape guys. They're big video guys. They watch everything. They really work on stuff. Other guys I've had on the show, they're just like, ah, oh, fuck man, you see his face, punch it, you know, whatever. They didn't, they're not really, they weren't into it. As, as you went on in, in Knoxville and in your pro career, were you a video guy? Did you break down your opponents or were you just like, let's see what happens. Let's just go for it. How were you? Did you start? Did you start really thinking fighting, or was it just a reactionary thing? No, I, I never really broke down video or, or how somebody else fought because if the minute I felt the minute I started to break down how they fought, I was trying to accommodate them. Yeah, 
if you if you see any of my fights, I always fight the same way. I come in, try to let them throw the first one because if they throw the first one, I'm I'm wily. I can duck it, I can dodge it, and then I can get my grab. And I mean, I I want to be the one in a fight that dictates what happens and how it goes. And if you see a bunch of my fights, a lot of them look sloppier that like I'm you know flailing or or, or not on balance, but I actually am. And it's just I just. I would rather somebody try to cater to me than me cater to them because I, I don't care how somebody else fights, whether they fight right-handed, left-handed, whether they want to throw first, throw second, if they want to just grab and hug on, I'm going to be the one in a fight that dictates what happens. I'm going to be the one that puts you in the situation to where I'm able to hit you and you're not able to hit me. Yep. Well, there you go. Um, before we kind of leave that year, I have to ask you, um, there in in the SP that year, there was a legendary coach in Richmond, John Brophy. Do you have any? Did you ever have any Brophy run-ins playing Richmond? John Brophy is an absolute legend, and that's why he never said a word to me because I was just some dumb rookie that wasn't even worth his time. <laughs> I was gonna, but you said you with your mouth. Did you say anything to him, or did you know enough not to? <laughs> No, I was stupid. I, I think I remember I remember him in Knoxville one time. He had those uh glasses that would like dim with the depending on the sunlight or how bright it was. And he had those on and at one point in the game it, you know, they kinda dimmed down. And I think I said something stupid and I think Matt Goody or something said something to me and as soon as Matt Goody said something, I was just like, Okay, yes sir, I'm sorry. <laughs> there yeah, well there you go. Uh yeah, yeah. Well, there's a name. I there's a dude. I wouldn't mind getting that guy on the show. What are your What are your thoughts on Matt Goody? Uh, Matt Goody, I believe he was a heavy in Richmond my rookie year, and yep. uh, my my experience with him is I jumped into a scrum one time, and uh, I grabbed some guy, and then I got grabbed, and I turned around, and I think I was I think I commented to this on one of your posts about him, and I turned around ready to fight, and it was him. I was like, ah, shit, here we go. I'm going to get the shit pumped out of me. And he looked at me and he goes, I ain't going to fight you, but you also ain't going to fight nobody else. And I said, okay, thank you. And uh, that's why I think I still have all my teeth. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I read your reply. That's why I wanted you to say it on the air. I read your, I thought that was funny when you wrote that. So, um, yeah, he's a big dude, man. Yeah, I'd like to get him on the show. He he had some, he had some pretty good, uh, incredible boats, but uh well, the following year, you you bounce up to Muskegon with the Fury in the IHL uh, under Coach Ram, uh, legendary enforcer old Bruce Ramsey. Uh, how did you end up in the I and in Muskegon? Uh, I believe my agent at the time told me that there was an opportunity to go up there and uh, and and you know give it a shot up there. And you know, obviously, I'd like to move up, make a little more money, and play. And so I took the opportunity and. Uh, I have no idea how or why they kept me, but uh, they ended up doing it. And uh, I mean, it, it, that was that was quite the interesting year. Well, yeah, of course, everybody remembers the IHL, the old IHL from back in the day with you know Manitoba Moose and Orlando Solar Bears and all that. Okay, well, this was sort of the uh, kind of coming out of the United League, whatever it was. A it was a rehash of the International Hockey League with six teams. Uh, uh, Fort Wayne, Port Huron, Flint, Muskegon, Kalamazoo, and Bloomingdale or Bloomington, and uh, so 0708 was the first year of the reincarnation of the IHL. And uh, yeah, what was your experiences at Muskegon with Bruce Ramsey? Did you get along with Rammer? I think I think Rammer favored me more because I was a fighter, and I think I I honestly don't think that he should have kept me around as long as he did because I was a complete idiot that year. 
Well, how so? Well, we uh, so I got up there before camp even started, and uh, I moved into the house, met the guys, and uh, we ended up going to the bar, and uh, we ended up going out to the bar and had a bunch of people back to the house. Well, we were living on the uh, living on the lake, and we had a hot tub. Well, my dumbass decided to get on the second level porch and uh, hang over top. Well, I fell off the second level porch and uh, landed on the side of the hot tub with my ankle and uh, had some random broad take me to the ER. Then I ended up back to, uh, we were supposed to start camp. Well, I couldn't even, um, I couldn't even stand on my ankle. So I ended up going in and telling Ramsey, uh, you know what happened? He goes, well, if you want to play on this team, then you're going to, you're going to skate. And, uh, I said, all right. And, uh, so I told him what happened. He goes, well, if you want to, if you're going to play here, you're going to, you're going to lace up. So I ended up lacing up with a completely messed up ankle. I could barely even walk on it. And, uh, that's that game. I ended up fighting, uh, Olivier Legault against the wall and, uh, did my best. I mean, didn't get no points, didn't do nothing flashy, but, uh, I sat there and ended up just, you know, doing what I could do in order to make the uh, make the team. And somehow, I literally have no idea. For some reason, somehow he ended up keeping me. Well, I know in the preseason it has you down fighting the record, Joel Reckless twice. Oh, that's what it was. Joel Reckless, not Olivier. Olivier Legault is the one that knocked me out cold. That, yes. He's the one that knocked me out cold in Fort Wayne. That was a good one because my leg was twitching. I think my leg still twitches every now and then just because of it. Yeah, that was that was uh yeah, I watched that. That was uh that was something. Um Well, a couple of the names I wanted to throw at you had Muskegon, a couple of veteran guys, of course you had Dave Van Drunen, but you had Robin Bouchard on the team too. Um kind of uh how'd you get along with those guys? I did, hundred percent. They uh they welcome me with open arms. They're they're great leaders. Uh obviously they're you know, legends of the game. Um they uh they there's a reason they played so long, there's a reason that they, you know, were captains. Um, they, uh, they, they were great. They knew, they knew when there was time to joke around and times, you know, uh, have some fun, but they also knew when, you know, it was time to be serious. And, um, it's funny because after playing in, uh, in Knoxville, the first time we went on the road, we were loading the bus and they're like, okay, well, rookies got to pack bags and all that. And I, so I sat there in my mind, I was like, well, I played a full season. I'm not a rookie. And I remember, uh, Boosh looking at me and going, so how many games you got? And I said, well, I played a season in the ESPY. And he goes, perfect. Sounds good. Go ahead and grab my bag and grab everybody else's while you're at it. And when somebody like Boosh says that, you know what? You just pick up the bags, you go and load the bus, and you just shut your mouth and you sit down where you're told. <laughs> what was, um, in terms of the difference, well, it's going back to the differences thing again. Um, in terms of the IHL from that season to the SP that you came from, what was the big? What was the, what were the differences? Uh, pretty much just how how smart the how smart the players were. The game wasn't as fast. The game wasn't as flashy, but the plays were smart. And I mean. Everything that happened, it seemed like happened for a reason. Where when I was in the SP, it was, you know, more of like kind of like a shit show a little bit. Like, you know, the puck would bounce here and there and it wasn't as organized. But like in the eye, I mean, my power play was uh, Watt, Bouchard, Van Drunen, 
uh, I believe Cowboy was sitting in front of the net at some points. And, I mean, you got guys like that running a power play where, you know, passes are crisp, passes are on the tape, everything's, you know, set up perfect, your breakouts are perfect. I mean, it's just, it was it was a smarter game. Um, it really it really showed me, you know, like the, uh, the the mental side of it because I mean I always thought you know just being me I just go a million miles an hour and hope for the best. But I mean, Bouchard would sit out there and he'd play thirty minutes a game and you know barely break a sweat, but he'd be one of the best players out there. And it was all because he of his positioning, of his knowledge, of his you know. Just, just knowing the game, and I mean, I, I looked up to it. it. It was, it was, it was cool to sit on the bench for 59 minutes out of a 60-minute game and watch it, <laughs> because the only minute I got in was when they needed somebody to get punched in the face. <laughs> Did um, well, and like we were talking, your co- legend Bruce Ramsey, one of the all-time minor league legend tough guys. Did he? I would assume he worked with you. Did you? Did he? Did you kind of learn? Did you more, learn more of the role from the, this year? Well, so that that year, um, I had uh, Chris Kowalczyk. He came up and played with me, and I played with him in Knoxville, too. And uh, we had uh, a couple other guys come in and out trying to be the heavyweight. But, I mean, Bruce Ramsey, he uh, I remember I had a really good back-and-forth tilt one night, and uh, he pulled me aside as we're getting on the bus, and he goes, hey, and he grabbed his, I think it was a case, a 12-pack of Bush Light or whatever, and he goes, let's watch this. And he pops in the VHS into the uh tv on the bus and we sat there and watched his fights and he was like it kind of reminds me of you know when i had my uh my toe-to-toe fights and uh he he would he would let me know you know where i went wrong in my fights and you know you know guide me and all that but i mean if you watch his fights and my fights he was one of those guys that would sit there and eat 50 punches and give 50 punches and me i don't want to get hit 50 times there's no way i'll sit there and flail around like i look like a father-son fight just to not get hit so it was he gave me and he he tried to teach me but i think i was just too young and stupid to listen yeah well yeah we're all there once right yeah growing up but uh a couple of the names i have to hit you with and one of them again talk about legendary tough guys and uh i want you guys had some great battles this year and of course i gotta ask you about willie tyler willis what was it like playing against willis oh i I'll tell you right now, I have nothing but the utmost respect for the guy because he played at that level for years and fought a ton of tough guys. But I, I swear, I absolutely fucking hate playing against that guy. And you know what? The fact that I say that just means that he did his job to a T. I mean, I wanted to – literally the whole game, all I could think about was fighting him. I'd be on the ice, and I, I could have got a breakaway pass, and all I was doing was looking for fucking Tyler Willis. I mean, he he's – he he did he did everything he needed to do to get under my skin and it just he he's one of those guys that I mean he's what five nine one hundred and seventy pounds and he played and he fought all the tough guys and he made a name for himself and guys like me coming into that league as you know my second year minor pro I looked up to him and I and I wanted to fight him to make a name for myself and man did it ever piss me off that he wouldn't give me the damn time of day. <laughs> You did have a, you had a couple good ones with him though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, another guy I got to ask you about, cause you fought him five times. Uh, Sam Miller. Oh, I love Sam Miller. 
Sam Miller was the most respectful player you'd ever play against. I remember lining up against him one time and being like, hey, Sammy, let's go. And he goes, come on, really? He goes, I don't really want to do it. And I said, I got you. And he goes, really? And I go, yeah, I got you. And he goes, oh, all right, here we go. And, I mean, he just he, – he, he knew that I was just trying to do my role, and he, he, he obliged me. And, uh, I mean, I, I got nothing but respect for him. And, and to be honest, I got nothing but respect for, for literally everybody I've ever fought. Um, it, it's a job. Uh, and, and now I'm going to get into some fucking shit talking here. Uh, the only person I don't respect. I know, what, I know I who it is. Zero. I know who, who it is. You already, who is it? <laughs> uh, hold on. I got it, it brought Aaron McGill. Yep, that guy's the biggest fucking piece of shit scumbag I'll ever meet in your entire fucking life. And I'll tell you right now, I've had a bunch of fucking fights. I've had bad problems with people. I've had people sucker me. And you know what? I'll tell you right now, if I saw that motherfucker in the fucking bar, I'd walk right up to him and I'd knock his fucking teeth out. He is the most scumbag fucking loser you would ever meet in your life. I mean, the shit that he did on the ice and the way he acted, it's just disrespectful to the game and disrespectful to anybody that's ever put their, you know, health or whatever on the line for hockey. The shit that he did and the stuff that he did to Mark Van Vliet was just absolutely disgusting. Yes, I saw that. It was, uh, I actually read a bunch of articles on that, watched the video on that. Yeah, it, um, yeah, it was pretty brutal. Um, yeah, well, we'll get where. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, well, the following year, oh eight, oh nine, you missed the season. You didn't play. What happened? Uh, I mean, fuck it. I'll be honest. I uh, I was getting into partying too much, and uh, I I went into rehab. Okay, I went into rehab and and kind of got my life together and uh, got clean and sober, and I uh, had my family support me. And you know, I'm fortunate that I have an amazing family. That you know, no matter what I've done or what I do. They're a hundred percent behind me and uh, I got clean and sober and I was just like, you know what? I, I got the itch to come back and play. And uh, so I called uh rammer and I was like, Hey, I want to play. And that's how I ended up at Tulsa's camp. But I mean, I never ended up playing cause I blew my shoulder out in Knoxville and they failed me on my physical. So, well, that's good though, that man, that you, you got, you, you went to rehab and, and you know, you, you saw the problem, realized you had a problem, went in and, uh, but you come back in 2009, well, 2009, 2010, you're back in Knoxville, 42 games, 300 minutes of penalties. Mark Rogers is coaching. Uh, this time around, uh, you, you come back, you know, like you said, 24, you're sober. You've got a few more, you got a few years of pro under you. Um, what was different this time around in Knoxville for you? Uh, I was sober. Well, there you um, go. Yeah. I, I was sober and, uh, you know, I had, I had a clear view of what I wanted and, you know, what my goals were. And, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's a whole new story and a whole new life when you're sober. And, um, you know, it just, my goal was to win a championship. And, and I'll tell you, every single year I was in Knoxville, I felt like we were winning the championship. I literally felt like we're, we had, we had leaders, we had goal scorers, we had role players. We had everything, but at the end of the day, it just it, it just didn't end up it didn't end up working for us. Yeah, well, unfortunately, yeah, like you said, you had some really strong teams, and I mean, it's they're tough, right? Doesn't matter what league or anything. It's that's why it's they're tough to win. But uh, you mentioned well before we got going, you mentioned them. But uh, this year, you, like you said, you come back twenty nine fights, three hundred minutes, opening night, Dennis Sicard. You two go at it. Like you said, you fought him a million times. Um, yeah. What are your feelings on Dennis Card? I love the guy. 
Absolutely, absolutely love the guy. Uh, are you talking about the first time I ever fought him? I believe that's the first time you ever fought him, right? Was opening night that he, year? He was, in, he was in Richmond and I was in Knoxville. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so I remember I kind of we, we bumped each other in the boards in front of his bench and he turns to me and he screamed at me. He had a mohawk at the time and he screamed, yeah, let's go. And I looked at him, I said, I ain't fucking scared of you. Let's do it. And uh, I mean, I didn't know who he was. He didn't know who I was, but I mean, throughout the years, we got to know each other pretty good. And I mean, we had back and forth battles, but I'll tell you right now at the end of every game, every time we, you know, the game would be over, I'd go up and shake his hand. If they were spending the night, you know, I'd offer to get him a beer. And uh, I remember, so I'm going to tell you a story about Dennis Sicard. This is, this is how much I respect Dennis Sicard. My last year in Knoxville, uh, when I ended up getting released from Knoxville, uh, he gives me a call the night after my last game, and he goes, I'm coming. And he goes, we're playing together. And I said, uh, no, we're not. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you took my job. And he goes, you know what? He goes, I ain't going to report. And I said, what do you mean you ain't going to report? And he goes, I ain't taking your job. Because he knew it was pretty much my last year. I was on the way out. And I said, Dennis, I'm going to tell you something right now. The fact that you offered that means nothing but the world to me. But this is a business. And business is business and friendship is friendship. And you better come here and you better win a championship. And you know what that motherfucker did? He came here and that fucker won a championship. And me and him, after he won that championship at school and celebrated, that guy, I don't care what anybody says. That guy is a fucking idiot on the ice. But so was I. But I have nothing but the utmost respect for Dennis Sicard. He's a great guy. Do anything for his teammates. And I'll tell you right now, anybody that's played with him will tell you the same fucking thing. Dennis Sicard is a good dude. And, you know, he deserves everything that he got. He deserves the championship. He deserved to be in Knoxville. And business is business. It is what it is. That ain't going to fuck up no friendships with me. Well, there you go. Um, I, I believe you and I spoke about him a while ago in, 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 in text message, and, uh, I, I think, anyway. But I know you fought him this year, and he had come down from the Quebec League. And uh, he's a big dude, man. And I know you've uh, – Jason Hamilton. Oh fuck, Jason Hamilton. That's another. That's a great story. So we go down to we go down to Louisiana, and all I hear about is this Jason Hamilton, Jason Hamilton, Jason Hamilton. Well, obviously I'm fucking stupid, and I don't give a shit who anybody is. So we walk into the Cajun or not the Cajun Dome. We walk into that barn that they had, and they're doing their pregame skate. Well, I find a T-shirt that has a picture of Jason Hamilton flexing. Uh, with his bottom gear on and no top gear and aviators. So what do I do? I go and I grab Jim Jensen's aviators and I put my bottom gear on and I go behind the net and I start flexing at him while he's shooting pucks in warm-up. Well, he didn't play that game. I think he was the assistant coach or he was suspended or something. So he's he's sitting there and he's like, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, blah, 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 whatever. So we go out that game, we play that game. So then uh, the next time we see them is in Knoxville. And... Uh, so I went out, my dumbass. I went out and I bought uh, WWF or WWE Heavyweight Championship belt from Toys R Us, and I wrote Seagull on it. And I paid our stick boy five bucks to go tape it behind their bench while they're warming up in Knoxville. So he sees this thing and he's like, "That's my belt," and I'm like, "Ah, oh, buddy, you you gotta you're not even a contender." I said, "You're not even a fucking contender." I said, "You gotta work your way up to me, buddy." So this guy starts shooting clappers at me from across the line, and I'm sitting there pretty much the last seven minutes of warm-up dodging fucking clappers from him. So we go into the dressing room, and this guy's a scary dude. I mean, it's like, oh, fuck, this guy's going to kill me. 
So we go into the room, and uh, my coach, Craig, and Craig calls me. He goes, hey, so what's going to happen? I said, well, I'm going to fucking, he goes, he goes you got to fight him. I said, yeah, I'm going to fight him. He goes, well, you got to fight him because everybody on the fucking team is sitting there just thinking about him and not thinking about the game. And I said, I ain't worried about it. Let's do it. So we go, I think we go a couple shifts or whatever, and then we end up squaring up at center. And I look at him. I said, well, here's your chance for that fucking title. So we square up. And I'm not shitting you. This this fucking guy hit me. And, and I, Jason, if you're listening or you hear this, thank you for not hitting me in the fucking face. I appreciate it. Because this fucking guy hit me in the ribs so hard and so many fucking times that I'm not kidding. I, I think he broke a few ribs. So after our fight, I mean, if you watch, every time he hit me, my left leg came up and I flinched like a little child. It looked like a father-son scuffle. I mean, this guy, he literally could have fucking eaten me. And... uh so we go back into the dressing room after, you know, the period's over, and I take my gear off, and I could literally see the knuckle marks in the sides of my ribs, and they were swollen out. And uh, even though he beat the hell out of me, after he beat the hell out of me and I fell down and slipped down, he goes, hey, at least you could, at least you could do is stand up. And I was like, ah, oh, you're just lucky. I said, I just didn't want to embarrass you. Oh, my God. He's absolutely psycho. Absolutely psycho. He, he came into the dressing room in Louisiana. We are in Louisiana after that game. And uh, I'm in the shower, and the next thing I know, our dressing room door gets kicked in, and this fucking guy comes in the dressing room. He's like, Seagull, let's go. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I come out of the shower, and I look, and he goes, you want to enjoy it? Let's go. And I'm like, dude, I'm fucking naked. I'm like, I'm in the fucking shower. I said, all right, come on, let's do it. Here we go, come on. And, like, just joking around, well, the next thing I knew, uh, I think the state troopers escorted us out of Louisiana because it was such a shit show. <laughs> That's that's tremendous. What a tremendous story. Yeah. No, I mean, but but it's funny. So I, I mean, I know guys that played with them, and they tell they. I'll tell you right now, if I had that guy on my team, I would be I would break sticks over te- people's faces because I knew that he would not let me get touched. That, that that's the that's the kind of enforcer that like literally like guys like that. People that don't know hockey and people that have never played or played at high level don't understand. If you have a guy like that on your team, it allows your goal scorers your talent guys to do what they want and know that they're if they want to come across the blue do a backhand toe drag and try to fucking pull a michigan that they can do that and not get touched it allows them to do what they do and i I remember distinctly one time there was something that happened and some guy went over or some guy came after eric satum on our team and eric satum is he's he's a great hockey player and, uh, and, and I grabbed him and I grabbed the guy and I said, listen, I'll tell you right now. I said, me and you are going to fucking go. You don't fucking touch Satan. And we go into the dressing room after and Satan comes up to me and he goes, Hey, I just want to tell you, I appreciate that. You know, I, I was worried about it and thinking about it. And I said, don't you ever fucking worry about it. I said, you play your game and don't you worry about anything. And he goes, well, that having you lets me know that. And that resonates with me because, you know, that was my job. My job was to make sure that the guys that win games, can win us games and my job was just to make sure that they could win us games and i guess i probably should have done it a little better i might have a few championships <laughs> uh, i think you did pretty good there um like and you you talk about jason hamilton and that type of thing as as you went on your years in, in knoxville do you think you got to that level in terms of rep with them in the league and like you like people knew like if they're playing knoxville that you're coming and and you had people looking over their shoulder for you well, so that's a tough question because I'm not Jason Hamilton. I'm not going to go out there and break some guy's ribs, and I'm not going to go out there and break some guy's jaw or break their nose. 
but I, I'll sit there and I'll fight and I'll give it everything I got. I think people knew that if if you were going to do something, you would have to answer for it. Yeah. Whether that meant whether that meant that you were going to get beat up or you were going to get in a fight or you were going to get hit, they knew that they weren't going to get away with it. Now, it obviously wasn't to the extent of Jason Hamilton where he's going to, I'm not going to go kick in a dressing room door or, or smash your ribs in. But, I mean, I know and I've been told that, yes, people knew that if you're going to do something, that I'm going to be the one that comes after you and you're going to answer for it. Now, whether or not that answer was really going to hurt you or not is another story. I mean, I'm 5'10". At the time I played, I was 170 pounds. But I had no fear, and, and I took my job serious. And I, I and anybody I've ever played with, I would hope, would tell you that they know that I would 100% go to bat for them, and I would 100% grab anybody that ever messed with them. Yeah. They, um, well, speaking of Hamilton, like I said, he came down from the Quebec League, and he had a lot of battles up there with Radio X and everything else. I'm assuming at this point, somebody from the LNH, did you ever get any offers to come up to Quebec, and did you entertain them at all? Uh, I remember I got an offer to go, I think it was to the Central at one time, and to play, I, I was on a league suspension in the SP, and the team that I was going to was playing against Morasti, and my coach told me, and I said, fucking yes, let's do it. I want to fight Nasty Morasti. Well, I don't know whether or not my coach didn't want me to go because he thought I was going to get the shit kicked out of me, or the league actually, the Central actually uh actually i don't know if it's the central or the coast they actually honored the suspension that i was on for some reason i didn't end up going up but um no i had never been offered to go to the lnah um and uh i mean i'd love to i I mean that's that's where all the big boys are that's where the that's where that's where old time old school hockey is and i mean the guys that fought in that league like Morasti, boss uh guys like that are just i mean a whole new level man those guys are just insane you know like it, it's it's like parker like guys like that like those guys are just insane man and and i mean it would be for me it would be like you know back then it would have been like an honor for me to fight them now it would be like two old men trying to throw canes at each other <laughs> well uh, as we kind of go through knoxville and your and your different seasons there um I know uh, the following year in 2010-2011, your career is long, 28 fights, Craigan's coaching. Um, I know they brought in a guy um, from Colorado, uh, a big, uh, Jay Bernie, big defenseman there from BC. Yeah, I remember him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, he's from Colorado and stuff. Um, wh- what was it? Uh, what was it like playing with him? Uh, I like Bertie. He, he's a real cool dude. He's a good guy. And, uh, I just, when he came in, I mean, I just, I looked at the size and, and, you know, the reputation and, and I mean, he had some, he had a few fights and I mean, they were good. And, and it was, it was, it was interesting to watch him. It was interesting. I mean, it's always funny. I just, I always find it funny when I see somebody with that much size and that much strength and that, that much height. And just to see them, he fought, he's a great fighter, but he played timid. And, uh, and I mean, he played good. He played great. He's not a bad player and, and he, he's a good player. But I mean, if I was that size, I would bury everybody and I would, I would, I would throw my weight around and I would try to run people through the wall. But I felt like he, he didn't. And, and it's weird because I, there was a few players that I met through my career that I was like, damn, I just wish I had your size and strength. And, uh, and they, they just, 
they were just such nice people. <clears throat> All right, here we are. We're, we're back at it here. Um, well, th- like I said, we're in the se- the 2010-2011 season. You had 28 fights, and uh, Jay Bernie's there with the team. And uh, yeah, well, we'll get into the whole McGill thing here in a second. I'm going to ask you about a couple guys before that, and then we'll get into that. Uh, we were talking about the LNH earlier and some of the dudes that have come down from that league, Jason Hamilton. Well, another guy that came down to that league from the LNH was Ryan Hand. And you had a couple of bouts with him. Do you remember those fights? I do. And uh, Ryan Hand's a lefty. And uh, I remember fighting him. And uh, he hits hard, too. And we had we had a couple of good fights. And uh, to be honest, um, I, I didn't have a lot of, like, you know, most of the guys that I fight and, you know, they've been around the league a bunch and we – I, I know them pretty well. Ryan Hand's one of those guys that I didn't really know very well, but obviously, you know, I knew that he fought in the the uh, the, the higher leagues, and uh, you know, I, I I looked forward to fighting him, and we had some good fights. And he's super super respectful, uh, a great guy to fight. Um, I mean, he's got, he's got heavy hands. He's a good fighter. He's a smart. He, he's a little he, a little more technical than what I was used to in the SB. But, uh, I mean, we had some good fights, and, and he's a tough character, for sure, 100%. Well, one name I wanted to bring up to you, because, of course, being in Saskatoon, I watched him play for the Blades here, and then he played for he played a year in LaRange in the SJ, um, was Tanner Schultz. You guys had a pretty good fight there. Tanner Schultz. I don't remember Tanner Schultz. Well, you, well I want, it was good. If I, don't rem- if, I, if, if I don't remember him, then he probably beat me up pretty damn good that I don't remember no, he didn't. No, it was a good fight, actually. You guys said it was a pretty good one. I just saw his name and I remembered him because he played for the Blades, and I remembered him from here. But, uh, but, uh, but, like you said, eight million fights. You're not going to remember them all. But, um, all right. Where did? Where was I when I fought him? It was. It was you were in Knoxville. It was 2010, 2011. Was yeah, that was the year you fought Hand and had the whole thing with McGill. It was that year. Uh, so where, where was where was Schultz? Uh Give me, give me one second, and uh, I can tell you, he was with uh, Pensacola. He only Is played he a the one. Yeah, six one. Yeah, he only played the one year. He only played the one year in the SP. Well, I, I don't remember that. I don't mean to be rude. I just I don't remember that fight. Oh, that's wow! Like you're not going to remember every fight that you were ever in. That's for, I just remembered his name and saw that, so I had to ask you about him. Okay, now obviously you you mentioned your disdain for Aaron McGill earlier in this interview. Um, going through your fight card, you guys had a bit of a run-in to start the whole thing, a little bit of a line scrum. Uh, the first the first time I saw that you guys had a run-in. And then the next game is when all hell broke loose. Uh, what ha- Let's hear the whole Aaron McGill saga. What what happened and what made you snap and, and hate this dude the way you hate him? So, uh, so, Obviously, there's 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 a few sides to every story. Of course. So my side of this story is Aaron McGill. He he has he had some skill. There's a few years when he actually put up some good numbers. Well, this particular night, there was a scrum in front of the net. You know, the whistle's blown. Everything's kind of dead. Five maybe ten seconds goes by, and all of a sudden, I see McGill sucker punch Mark Van Vliet. Mark Van Vliet is, he, he, I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he won Defenseman of the Year award that year and didn't even play the whole fucking year. Mark Van Vliet is not a fighter. He doesn't run his mouth. 
he's not there, there's a lot of skill guys that run their mouth and I'd be like, Oh yeah, you know what? He fucking deserved to get punched. Mark Mark Van Vliet is not one of those guys. I see Mark Van Vliet go down, I guess kind of behind or beside the net. I'm on the bench and I said, Fuck it. I'm one of those guys, I'm gonna stick up for my teammates. I hopped off the bench and I went and I grabbed McGill and I just I literally gave everything I fucking could to try to fucking literally break that fucking kid's face. No matter how many fights I've been in and, and, and all, the, all the shit that I do, as far as I can remember, there was one time when I tried to cheap, when I tried to cheap shot somebody, and I love the guy, Bill McCreary, and we'll get into that later, but after seeing McGill do that, I jump the bench, I grab McGill, I start hammering him. We end up in, in front of the net in, in the crease, and uh, one of his, if you look at the video, one of the guys, one of his teammates tries to pull me off, and I said, if you fucking touched me i swear to god you're the next one on my list so i ended up the guy let me go i kept hammering away at mcgill so he got i guess the rest of the year or whatever suspension so the next year when um oh so actually by the other by the way the other kid that i have no respect for is kozlowski or whoever that little rat was that played in augusta with mcgill um they they posted after uh so Aaron McGill shattered Vleeter's jaw, and he had to have surgeries and, and all that shit. You know what? I play hockey. I fight. I never want to hurt somebody. I never want somebody to be hurt. It's a job. It's, it's like a nine-to-five. It's a job. You go out. You stick up for your teammate. You fight. You get a couple of lumps, a couple of bruises. You never want to affect somebody's life. This guy was proud of it. Him and Kovslowski posted something on one of the fucking social media sites, um, it was the year that movie Sucker Punch came out. And they posted a picture of that, and I don't know if they tagged Leader or just wrote something along the lines, but it was directed towards Leader. So I literally could not wait to end up seeing McGill again. And then that was the year that uh, Craigan ended up... Uh, we were... It was in Knoxville. It was the first time I saw him. And uh, I looked at him. I said, all right, here we go. I turned to Leader in the dressing room, and I said, Leader, I said, don't you worry. I said, it's my job. I'm going to take care of it. And I went out there, and I literally, it was a quick fight, but uh, I hit him, and then he kind of caught an edge. And uh, I don't celebrate fights. I don't celebrate, you know, after a fight. Maybe I did a little bit as a rookie, but uh, I was told, act like you've been there, be a professional, don't do it. After that fight, I literally threw my hands up, uh, got the crowd pumped up. That was one of the most, gratifying fights that I've ever been in because I dropped McGill after he sucker punched one of my best friends. I mean, I was one of, I was in Bleeder's wedding and, you know, to stick up for a guy like that. And uh, I couldn't believe, to be honest, I couldn't believe that, you know, McGill was allowed back in the league after that, because that's literally, that's a disgrace to the game. It's disrespectful. It's embarrassing. I mean, as a fighter and a tough guy, there are guys you know you can fight or grab. There are guys, you know, if you want to hit Bleeder, give him a jab with a glove on. You know, give him a punch with a glove on. Throw him on the ice. Don't fucking sucker punch him and shatter his jaw. And then go on social media and post some shit. Fuck you. Hey, if you're listening, Aaron McGill, fuck you. If you're listening, come to fucking Ice Wars and get AJ to fucking set it up. Me and you grudge match. And I'll beat the fucking living brakes off you, you piece of shit. Fuck you, Aaron McGill. I'm sorry for that. I got all heated. 
That's all right. I get it. Well, he ended up fighting Kozlowski later that year, too. Yeah, and by the way, that didn't go too good. That kid, as much as I hate him, I do have to give him credit where credit is due. He's a wiry little fuck, and he does know how to fight. And it was pretty much like a – it wasn't anything special. I mean, it was, you know, toe-to-toe fight, like whatever it is what it is. But I 100% thought that I was going to absolutely beat the living shit out of him, and I didn't. I mean, the kid held his own and, and did good, and, I mean, he he did good. To my surprise, well, there, there you go. But uh, yeah, well, I know, I know. It seemed like every, it was pretty much every game you played against them. After that, you ended up fighting them. I think. It seemed so like it. Yeah, no, uh, McGill. I think I only fought. I think he, I think he only fought me once. No, McGill. I meant, pardon me. Oh yeah, McGill. Yeah, fuck that guy. Fuck him. Fuck him. I'll, I don't. I, so it's funny because like I'm, I'm actually like a really calm person off the ice, level headed. Like I, I don't. I always try to find the way to avoid a situation, but like literally, I'm I'm not kidding. Like if I saw McGill, I'd just walk up to him and absolutely sucker punch him right in his fucking teeth. Fuck that guy. I think we yeah, like you said, I think we got to get AJ on the phone. We got to set that up. That could be Ice Wars three, 100%. the grudge match. Hundred percent. Get AJ on the phone. I'll sit there and I'll 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 sit there and I won't even train. I'll I'll come in overweight, like complete slob as I am right now. You know what? I'll tell you right now. How about this? If he can get Aaron McGill to agree to it, I don't even know if McGill's in shape or what the hell he's doing. I'll fight him August 6th at the Ice Wars, grudge match, me against Aaron McGill, and I will beat the absolute fucking brakes off that kid. There you go. Oh, I'll, we'll have to see. Well, I, uh, this, when I put the show up, I'll get a, I'll tag AJ in it. We'll see what happens. I think we're on to something right, here. I feel like Don King over here. I'm going to promote send, I'll, this. I'll send, I'll, send AJ, I'll send AJ a text after this. There you go. There you go. Um, well, the following year, like I said, you're, you know, 2011-12, you're, you're, you know, back in Knoxville. One of your teammates this year was uh, was a kid out, out of the BC League. Well, he went to college. He played in the BC League, then went to college, then came to the SP. Uh, Mike Towns. Mike Towns is an absolute beauty. Great guy, great personality, do anything for the team. He's got talent, he's got skill, he's tough, he's a great guy. See, there you go, yeah, I do. He's out in Penticton there, and uh, Surrey kid, I figured you'd, uh, the BC guys there, I had to throw his name out to you there. Um, well, this is the this is the year, we, we were talking before you got going, uh, you ran into, uh, well, Ice Wars champ Daniel Amesbury. And uh, you guys, it was your first run-in with him this year. Uh, what was it like fighting Amesbury? That, that's the fight that uh, we were up against the wall, and he hit me so fucking hard that I saw stars and didn't go out. And uh, when somebody hits you that hard, you have nothing but respect for him. I mean, it was a good fight, you know, but, uh, I mean, I love the guy. I mean, like I said, me and that guy, we talked before going to Ice Wars, I, I love fighting him. I look forward. I, I looked forward to fighting him, and uh, that that's just out of respect. It's not like I was like I looked forward to fighting him because I wanted to beat him up or he was going to beat me up. It was just out of one hundred percent pure respect. And it's weird as a fighter, you know the other fighters, and you have this weird, awkward camaraderie that you know you're on the ice, you want to punch each other in the face, and you hate each other, but the second the the buzzer goes, um, you respect each other, and uh, and I and, and I truly feel like. Uh, People say respect is earned, and I agree, but I feel the only way you earn respect is to give it, 
So guys like Ainsbury, I mean, I gave him all the respect in the world, and, you know, he gave it back. And I was taught that, you know, if, if you give somebody respect and you want their respect and they don't give it back, then they ain't worth your time. And uh, if, if they give it back, then you guys, you know, you, you can build a, a friendship or relationship off of it. And uh, that, that's what we did. And we ended up talking after a game, and we ended up, you know, figuring out that we had mutual friends back home. And, uh, you know, like we got, we got a lot of friends back home and it just, it, it's cool. And I'm, and I'm very happy to see him and I'm super pumped that he did so well at uh, ice wars. I mean, he deserves it, man. Like it, it, it's cool. There's, there's, there's a lot of guys that I, uh, that I've fought over the years and, you know, guys like him and Sicard and, you know, guys like that, like you just, you, you like to see them succeed and, and see them do good outside of hockey or, you know, after we're done playing and, I mean, that's something that me and him talked about, and he worked hard for it. He really did, and he deserves it. And uh, I got nothing but respect for the guy. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, well, as we just kind of go along here, I mean, you know, go down every year in Knoxville or whatever, but I'm just going to throw uh, some of your opponents out and some of your uh, – well, a te- uh, you did fight him, and then he ended up um, uh, becoming a teammate with you uh, later on was uh, Corey Fulton. Love the guy. Absolutely love the guy. Fought him. When I fought him, I had nothing but respect for him. Corey Fulton, I don't know if you've had him on the show or not, but that's a guy you need to get on the fucking show. That guy's got a story. That guy is salt of the earth. That guy is an amazing human being. He is a great person, man. He is the most soft-spoken person in the world. Nothing but respect. Gives respect. Doesn't demand anything back. And he's tough as fucking nails. No, he is someone I need to get on the show. Um, actually, I think we follow each other on 100%. Social. And I'll, I'll send him a message after we get off. And, and you know what? I'd, I'd love to hear his story. I mean, I've heard his story, but I'd love to hear it again. It's one of those stories that I could hear every single time and be nothing but proud that I know that man. Yes, I know. Yeah, I'm, I know briefly. Uh, I, I did see something about that. Um, yeah, that is definitely. Yeah, you and I will have to talk to you after. Yeah, we'll definitely have to hook that up because I'd like to get him on for sure. Um, well, another uh, a cat that you fought three times this year is 2013-2014, and he has gone on to have a real solid career in the American Hockey League, and and his brother is just as tough. And I mean, they're they they'd be a hell of a brother duo. Alex Gallant, what was it like fighting that guy? Alex Gallant, he was surprisingly tough because he was he played with Amesbury, and I remember we were in Knoxville, and I was running my mouth to Amesbury in warm up. And this don't this nobody came up and was like, yeah, we're gonna go, we're gonna go. And I was like, I looked at I looked at uh, Amesbury and I was like, are you fucking shitting me? You're gonna let this rookie run his mouth to me and 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 be your backup? And I was like, oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. So we ended up fighting, and fuck sakes, that kid can fucking throw, man. He's 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 a tough character. He he's a good fighter. He's a smart fighter. He knows how to use uh, his the the size he has, the strength he has. He's a good fighter, very good fighter, and he and he's and I, I've actually followed a little bit of him and and seen him, you know, go forward and go up to the higher leagues. And uh, it's one of those guys that you know, like we'll, we'll sit around and uh, have some beers, and my buddies will pull up some fights, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, look at this one!" I'm like, yeah, I fought that guy. That's, that's my go-to. Yeah, I fought that guy. I might not have done too well, but I fought him. No, he's he's. I'm happy to see him doing well. Well, another name of a guy you fought, Corey Bellamy. Bellamy. Oh yeah, he didn't he end up being a ref? Uh, I don't know. Did he? Did he? I, didn't he? Didn't he play for Columbus? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think he ended up being a ref. I mean, yeah, he's one, he's one of those guys that, like, he wasn't really a fighter, if, if we're talking about the right guy. I don't think he was really a fighter, but he answered the bell when he had to. And, again, I mean, like I said, anybody that answers the bell and anybody that's willing to, you know, put their faith or their their health or their physical well-being on the line for their team or for a game or for the little bit of money that we did make, I mean, you can't do anything but, you know, give them respect. And, uh and uh, if I remember correctly, he was a ref, and uh, even as a ref, I mean, I, you had to respect the guy, man. He, he he did what he had to do, and he was a good player. He he worked hard in the corners, and uh, pretty much, I mean, all you got to say is, I mean, the, the the guy the guy did what he had to do, and uh, I hope he's succeeding in refing because he was a hell of a ref. He's a real good ref, actually. Well, there we go. Uh, well. Okay, so 2014-2015 comes, and it's your final season, and you play 18 games um, in in Knoxville, um, and you're actually right out of the gate. You're flying, man. You had 18 games, you had 14 tilts, and and um, and all of a sudden, that's it. What happened in Knoxville for it to? I mean, you said business is business, and Sicard came to replace you or whatever. What happened in Knoxville that you that you left? So business is business, and uh, and and uh, I don't feel I don't feel that if we're being honest, I don't feel that I was treated that last year the way I should have been treated. Um, obviously, I know what happened, um, but I'm not the kind of guy that's going to sit here and badmouth anybody. I had a great experience in Knoxville. I, I love Knoxville. I still live here. Um, Craigan was my coach. Murray was my general manager, and uh, you know. Things didn't work out the way we had thought they would. Um, it didn't end up the way I, I wanted it to. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and say my side of the story because they're not there to defend their side of the story. Um, I had a lot of uh, resentment and anger, and and uh, and I didn't like the way that um, it ended. But uh, at the end of the day, like I said, business is business. Friendship is friendship. I'm still friends with Murr. I'm still friends with Craigan. And uh, it, it was a business decision. Things happened. And, um, I mean, things happened behind closed doors. And, and it's not my place to say because I don't know 100% what happened. So I'm not going to say it. Um, I have my theories. People have their theories. But you know what? At the end of the day, what I can say is... Uh, Mike Craigan was my assistant captain my rookie year, and he was my head coach for a few years, and uh, he was an amazing coach, and I respect him. You know what? At the end of the fucking day, he made the right decision. I believe Dennis Picard scored a goal that ended up putting them into the finals or pushing another game in the finals, and they won a championship. And as tough as that is to swallow for me because I wanted that championship, you know what? He did his job, the card did his job, and everybody else on that team did their job. And I just wasn't the I wasn't the piece that was going to win the puzzle. And I mean, shit, fuck, that's life, man. That's fucking life. And it is what it is. I mean, I got, I got to meet some really, really, really cool people, some great players, and I mean, I enjoyed it. But it just it wasn't for me. The road trip wasn't for me. The way I mean, I just I, it wasn't for me. It was just me trying to trying to, I guess, pump the so-called ego. But, I mean, it is what it is, man. And I'm, ha- I'm happy 
Knoxville won it that year. And I, I appreciate uh, Dayton even giving me the opportunity to be down there. They treated me like gold down there. And, uh, you know, I just, like I said, it's a business, man. And sometimes it's tough to look in the mirror and, and, and see, you know, no matter what you give or how long you're there or what you do, sometimes it's just not, you're not the one they need. And, hey, that's life, Bubba. It happens. No, absolutely. Well, the the following year, um, you're back at the SP with Pensacola this time. Uh, how did that come about? And was it, um, I, I would assume you had some unfinished business, though, to, to take care of. Was I that, did. yeah. I did. I felt I had some unfinished business and I had an opportunity. So I had an opportunity to go to Pensacola a few years back, but uh, I was, I was, Obviously, Craigan was the coach, and I was like, you know what? No, I'm not. I'm not leaving Craigan. Like, I'm not. No, I, I'm. I'm sticking here. Like, this is this is my home. This is where. This is who gave me my shot. This is what I'm going to do. And then, you know, once once our ties were cut, you know, I I, I actually didn't want to go. And then, I just I was like, you know what? Let's give it one more round. And uh, I gave it one more round. And like I said, Rod Rod Aldoff is nothing. No, I have nothing but respect for that guy, man. Like he, he, he makes you want to be a better player. He makes you be a better player. He, he pushes you to be the best you can be. And, uh, I mean, I had a great year down there. I had fun. I enjoyed it. Um, I got to play with some really, really, really good players. I had a blast. Um, unfortunately, um, my shoulder gave out and, uh, I had some, stuff back home with uh with work and um i mean but at the end of the day it it all worked out in the end i mean they ended up winning i went down there and watched them win it and uh you know they they treated me like i was a part of the team and um i mean it was it was a blast i mean that 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 was a great year at that point did you know that was it had you come to the end of the line yeah i did i mean i knew like so I knew I, I've known for a few years that uh, that 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 I, it was coming, but um, I remember there was one there was one day that we were sitting there and it was a, a pregame, or it was it was right before the game, and we're listening to music and uh, the music we were listening to was the music that my kids listened to in the car, and I had no idea who the hell it was because I remember like being a kid and like listening to music in the car and my parents being like who sings this or what song is this? And when, when I heard that music and I was like, well, I just listened to this in the car and I have no idea who it is. And I look around and I got guys like Berkeley Scott and, you know, looking around and, and they're looking at me like, Hey, all right, Papa, like hang them up. That's when I knew that it was my time because to be honest, people always ask me, do you miss hockey? Yeah. I miss hockey a little bit. What I missed is I missed the team camaraderie. I miss, being at the rink at, you know, 7.30 in the morning and hanging out with the guys. I miss talking about the nights. Uh, I miss as, as shitty as the road trips were sometimes. I miss the road trips. I miss just being a part of something. I don't miss getting punched in the face. I don't miss hurting every single day. I don't miss icing my hands, my knees, my shoulders. I, I, I don't miss that. But I miss the guys. I miss, I miss the experience of playing and when I look back at it, all I got to do is I just got to be fortunate for it because I got to do something that as a kid, I've always wanted to do. No, I didn't make millions. No, I didn't 
I don't drive flashy cars and have big fancy houses. But you know what I have is I have, I have a story and I have people in my life. I'm fortunate now that I have people in my life that when I travel, I can call up an ex-teammate and be like, hey, bud, I'm in town. Let's hang out. And they'll be like, well, stay at my place. Or, hey, where are you? Wherever you fly into, I'll pick you up from the airport. I'm, I'm fortunate to have those relationships, and, and that's what hockey gave me. So hockey gave me a life, not only while I played, but a life after hockey. And it's given me lifelong relationships that I wouldn't trade for the world. There you go. Perfectly said. Um, well, like I said, I won't keep you for too much longer. I got a few more questions for you and then, and then we'll, I'll get, I'll get you out of here. But, um, just a few, well, you mentioned the road trips. Of course, we didn't really talk about that in terms of that. Do you have any good the bus broke down or whatever? Or some, one of the players had to drive or do you, do you have any, uh, road, uh, a, fa- a famous road story? So we're going into Columbus. Our, our bus breaks down. It's the day of the game. We end up getting the bus fixed, but we we're show up just in time for warm-up, and they say they're not going to push the game back. So what does my dumbass do? I pull the gear out from under the bus. I get fully dressed in gear. We come off the bus in Columbus. You, your bus pulls into where, like, the Zamboni is. Columbus is already warming up. I come out by myself in full gear right off the bus, skate right into the rink and I do warm up by myself and I'm sitting there taking the other team's pucks. I'm taking Columbus's pucks. I'm rifling pucks down into their end. Boom, boom, standing there looking at me like I'm an idiot. And speaking of which, uh, the, the game I went and played with boom, boom, um, after Columbus's, uh, bus incident, I always looked at boom, boom as a goon and, and, and a coach. And, and I always made fun of him for kicking the glass. I'll tell you right now, boom, boom is, the most soft-hearted, amazing person. He, I understand why people stay in Columbus that long for him because he is just that guy that makes you want to be better and makes you, makes you want to be a part of something. But, uh, yeah, so I go out. Anyways, back to the story. I go out, and I'm, I'm skating around, and I do the whole warm-up by my damn self and, uh, and come back into the room, and one of the guys looks at me and goes, did you just – jump off the bus in full gear. And I looked at the kid and he was a rookie. And I said, listen, kid, you're only going to get to do this once. And you might as well fucking enjoy it. Cause you know what? At the end of the fucking day, we're all going to have to go back and get a nine to five. And, uh, I mean, that, that was just a funny ass story. I felt like, I felt like a kid again that day. You know, like if, if anybody's played hockey and they have the early morning practices and they get dressed at home and then they sit in the car and then they walk in with their skate guards and they put their helmet on, their gloves and their stick, and they go out. That's literally what I felt like. And I didn't care. I had fans booing me. I had fans telling me I was an idiot. But you know what? I was living life and I was having fun, and it was an absolute blast. Well, speaking of fans, I mean, you always have the minor league sections and the rowdies and stuff. What was the I mean, and I mean, obviously, I would assume you relish being the bad guy on the road and everything else. Everybody likes to play the villain on the road. What what particular fan base was just vicious that you love to get going? Uh, to be honest, uh, they were all pretty vicious. They all hated me pretty we, good. Yeah. But uh, the funny thing about the funny thing about the the fans is is the fans are the ones that were the fans are the ones that enabled me to do what I did. If the fans didn't pay their hard earned money to 
get a ticket to come watch us play, guess what? We don't get a salary. There's no league. There's nothing. So I always took it with a grain of salt. Yes, there were some fans that were a little too far, a little offside. But you know what? You get that in everything you do. You get that working at McDonald's. You get the, the person that comes in and is just a dick. And th- they were far and few between. But, um, I mean, the fans are amazing. I loved seeing the signs that people made. I loved seeing, you know, I loved sitting there and I would have people lean over the penalty box and yell and scream at me and then at the end of the game come up and shake my hand. I mean, it, it, it's cool, man. I mean, that's why you do it. I mean, it. it well, it's a game, but you're also entertainers, right? Yeah. Exactly. And, and to play, for anybody that's played, a, played a, a sport or played anything or done anything competitively, to play in front of no fans or to play in front of an empty building isn't nearly as fun, especially for somebody that played my role. I mean, I played, like you said, the villain. My job was to piss people off. So the more people I pissed off, I just knew I was doing my job. But it was, it, it was fun. It was awesome. I mean, to be honest, and the whole time I played, there might have been maybe two or three people that were offside. But, I mean, it is what it is, man. Two or three bad apples in 10 years, I'm not going to complain. I had a blast. Were you, I would assume you were. Um, obviously, you always talk about the guys that just stretch it, like cruise the red line and whatever and get Kings going. I'm assuming you did this. Were you a big center ice guy? Did you get, them, get it going in the pregame? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, what, what what else was I going to warm up? Is I mean, it's yeah. not like I'm going to be sitting on the on the pointer. I'm not going to be sitting on the power play. I don't need to work on my snapshot. I don't need to work on a. I don't need to work on my rebound skills. I mean, all I did was go hit people. So I can't hit people in warm up. So I'm just going to go yell at people because that's what I did on the bench. Fifty nine minutes of the game. What was your? Did you ever have kind of a go to like? Um, was there anybody like when you were getting it going and yelling at center ice or whatever? Was there anybody that you know? you just got to, that you could get under their skin so easy? Was there a guy that you could get to under his skin so easy? Jason Hamilton. Oh, well, there you Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so literally, literally, when I posted that, when I put that belt up there, and I told him, I said, you're not even a contender. He's like, that's my fucking belt. And I was like, no, it's not, Jason. It has my name on it. And I was just being, like, super, like, quiet like that. I said, that's my belt. You're not even a contender. I said, you got to work your way up. And he got so fucking mad. But, I mean, at the end of the day, obviously he won because he broke a few ribs. And, I mean, he's he's probably one of the toughest guys I've ever fought in my life. But, I mean, other than that, no. I mean, to be honest, like, there there isn't many people that, I mean, I always looked at it as a job and just that I was doing something. I never really looked at it like it was, personal because nothing nothing's personal on on the ice other than shit like mcgill did you know what i mean like yeah everybody everybody's got to wake up the next everybody's got to get up the next morning you know people we have families we have lives so i mean it's, it's just a job that's all it is is a job it, i was fortunate enough that i got to do something i loved for so long as a job and get paid for it and that that's the way i looked at it well, absolutely. Um, well, one of the questions I always have to ask, because um, I know a lot of guys, a lot of fans that listen to the show, they kind of, with the jerseys, guys did different shit with their jerseys and stuff. They always like to know, did you do any jersey modifications or uh, to any of your stuff? Yeah, so, so you're supposed to have a fight. You have to have a fighting strap on the back. Yeah. But I would, I had a fighting strap stitched on the front and I would tie it onto my belt because you can stick, 
when you have a jersey and you have a fighting strap on the back, you can't get jerseyed from the back, but you can still jersey someone from the front. So I would have a fighting strap on my front right under my logo, stitched onto my logo, and then that way I couldn't get jerseyed from the front. And then there was also a year that I had uh, my, my uh, right sleeve, I had it slid up to my elbow so that even if they grabbed my elbow, I would be able to break out of it and I'd still be able to have my hand free. There you go. The, the the tricks of the trade right here. Um, yep. Uh, wow. What you who were you saying? Was it McCurry? You had a story about McCurry, a soccer oh, punch. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, McCurry. I mean, he was just he was. I like to play full force. I like to hit, and I could never hit the guy because he's so sneaky and he's so uh, shifty. Well, there was after I got out of rehab that year, he he grabbed a bunch of snow. And he threw it up in my nose, and he goes, why don't you burn your fucking life down again, you fucking... Uh, I don't Eesh. remember what he, Burn yeah, your that... life down again, whatever. So then I, I, I turned to him, I said, I'm going to fucking kill you. And the rest of the game, he kept changing every time i go on. Well, they got caught on an icing, so I ended up lining up with him. I said, you better drop your fucking gloves. And he goes, I'm not dropping my gloves. So as soon as the puck dropped, I dropped my gloves, and I grabbed him, and he turtled. And at that point, I went for, I went for the old eye gouge. And that's the only time I've done something fucking stupid, and I regret it. And you can ask McCurry. You can talk to him, call him. I'll admit it. I did it, and I'm a piece of shit for it, and I resent it, and I feel bad. But every time I talk to him, I ask him, hey, man, how's your eye, bub? Yeah, well, you know, there's sometimes the people, uh, yeah, that's a little stiff, though. That was uh, what it is. Like I said, I looked at it it as a game, and I shouldn't have taken it personal, and I should have just let him run his mouth. But for some reason, I was sensitive that night. Who knows? Maybe I was fighting with some uh, the the girl in my life, or who knows? I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I don't blame him for it. I'd have said the same shit. So, I mean, it is what it is. Um, Well, you mentioned Bouchard and playing with Columbus. How you've you've referenced the bus thing? What what happened there, and how did you end up with Columbus for the one game? So their bus wreck. Their bus wrecked, and it was the year that uh, the um, uh, the Cubs won the pennant, and they had Zobris dropping the puck, so they couldn't they they, they didn't want to. It was sold out barn. They didn't want to end up you know canceling the game. So Andrew Lowen was my goalie in Winnipeg, and he played in Columbus, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, you want to come down to Columbus play a game?" And I was like, "Not really." And he's like, he told me the story. I was like, "Fuck it, let's do it." So I went down to Columbus and I played, and. Uh, I mean, we played with like six actual players and then like a few guys from locally. And, uh, and that's when that was my first time actually playing for Boom Boom. And I'll tell you right now, man, it was one of the most memorable times of my life. It was, it was a great experience. We were up going into the third period. Uh, I mean, it, it, it was, it was amazing. It, it was cool. Uh, I got, that's when I gained the utmost respect for Boom Boom. And, uh, and I see why. I see why he has uh, success and he has such uh, good players stick with him. I mean, it's it's just it's it's unbelievable. The man's a great guy. Well, you scored that game too. Oh yeah, I, I ended I ended that game with uh, a goal, a plus one, I think, and uh, zero penalty minutes. I still have that stick. There you go. Uh, well, before I got to ask one more time. So you, uh, that was 2016. That was your last game. Then all of a sudden. Here we are. This year, I was in your your suiting up Delaware. You you, you played two, or you played two games with Pensacola. Then you played two games with Delaware in the, in the federal league at three tilts. You were you were and two assists. You were ready to roll. How did that all come about oh, playing yeah, in I Delaware know. this year? 
Well, that was after Pensacola put me on the uh, the the. They released me that year. Pensacola. They came to Knoxville and they just they saw that I was released and they thought I guess they thought that I was playing. So uh, and uh, one sec. So they uh, they saw that I was released and they asked if I was interested in coming and I was like, you know what? That's when I I called Justin Schmidt because he was playing for Columbus and I was like, well, let's do this. Let's let's fight a few more times. And then he ended up getting healthy scratched, but. That was the only reason Justin Schmidt being there was pretty much the only reason I went down there. Well, then you, well, you, like you said, you played two games at Delaware and you had, had three, how'd the fights go? Like, how did you feel after? I mean, you had a few years layoff. Were you uh, feeling all right? Yeah, I felt old. I'll tell you that much. I felt old. <laughs> wasn't as, wasn't as easy as it was in 07, 08. <laughs> no, I felt, I felt those fights for the next three weeks. I'll tell you that. Well, there you go, man. Well, hey, you had a you had a hell of a run, and um, yeah, that. Um, well, and again, before I let you go, we had we had talked off the air and and everything, um, and your name has come up, and people have asked me, uh, and we've kind of mentioned it back and forth and joked about the McGill thing that you would you would uh, uh, you'd fight him at Ice Wars. Um, was there any? Do you have any? But other than that, do you have any? Would you have any interest? As you said, you fell old after those fights. Do you have any interest in Ice Wars, though? Yeah, I do, and I was I was actually going to go to the one August sixth, but uh, I'm I'm uh, I, uh, I'm in the process of running a company uh, for a, for a man and his wife that have taken care of me for the last fifteen years. They've treated me like family. He's a local guy, Bill Teeth Teller, and and Steve Teller. They've treated me like nothing but family, and uh, uh, I'm. I'm, uh, we were, we do plumbing and, uh, it's just, um, I just, we're so busy right now. It's just, it's not the right time for me, but I'll tell you right now. And can we end on this note? Yep. Um, I'll tell you right now, if Aaron McGill has the fucking balls to sucker punch leader, then he better have the fucking balls to meet me at the next ice wars. I'm in. There we go. Well, all right, man. Well, I want to appreciate, I appreciate you coming on tonight and, uh, and I know it was, uh, you know, where our timing probably wasn't the best, but uh, I, I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, uh, tonight to sit down and, and talk about your career. That was, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I know a lot of people are going to really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you even being interested in it, man. I, I really do. So thank you very much, sir. Absolutely, man. And uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch and uh, have a good night, man. Appreciate it. You too. Thank you. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 